MSW Media. Thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, June 20th, 2022. Today, Arizona House Speaker who resisted the Trump pressure campaign, will testify at the Tuesday hearing. A Facebook group tied to Ginny Thomas could be the focus of the January 6th investigation. The 1-6 committee agrees to send its transcripts to the Department of Justice faster. And insurrectionist Cooey Griffin is forced to certify the Otero County, New Mexico election results. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. I left the New Mexico story for you today, Dana. I appreciate that. I'm, I actually love the story. I have to apologize for my voice already. I don't know if this is going to work. Oh, <laughs> no. Uh, so everyone, in case you didn't know, <laughs> poor Dana has been very, very sick. You guys, I got the COVID. She got the Rona. I had been so good and so careful and uh, got me. So I just want to tell everyone out there, like for those of you that think you're being careful and... I know some of us have gotten it and it's been pretty mild, but this isn't like the flu. So just be careful, okay? And stay vigilant, please. Yes, please. Please do. But I appreciate the story because Maggie Toulouse and I grew up together and she's now the Secretary of State for New Mexico. So she's the one that spearheaded this. So I can't wait to report on the story. So thank you. Excellent. That's amazing. I didn't know you grew up together. That's, yeah. That's wonderful. I think your voice sounds wonderful. I just want everyone to know. But, you know, you, you said, you know, I feel pretty good. I can do this. Let's do this. So here yeah, we are. Absolutely. Yeah. No, AG is not forcing me to. So if, as long as you can get through the rasp, everything's fine. <laughs> uh, yes. And um, a little bit later, I'll, you know, give your voice a break. I'm going to be talking to Phil Ayer, the former commander for the Navy. And he's also the founder of the George Washington Initiative, which is a very cool disinformation combating sort of organization that you have to hear about. And I'm excited to talk to him and I'm excited for you to hear about it. We do have a lot of news to get to. I'm still in D.C. I'm going to be here through Wednesday. So I will be at the hearing in the room on Tuesday. Fabulous. You'll be in the room where it happens. In the room. Oh, it's it's just such a different experience than seeing it on TV, I have to tell you. But yeah, there's tons of news from the weekend. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. I'd like to call this segment, Ask and Ye Shall Receive. Thank you. Friday, you're welcome. Friday at 1.30 p.m., I tweeted, I love these hearings and I'm very pro-January 6th committee, but they need to hand their shit over to the Department of Justice because only the DOJ can hold the criminals accountable. And if the committee fucks up criminal prosecutions like they did in Iran-Contra, I'm going to be pissed. An hour and a half later, the New York Times publishes their article. January 6th panel says they will start sharing transcripts with the Justice Department as soon as July. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you. Now, I know my tweet had nothing to do with that, but still like awesome. Thank you. And because of the disinformation rage campaign against the Department of Justice that's been going on for the last year and a half, Everyone has decided, apparently, that it would be fun to accuse the Department of Justice of doing nothing and just letting the committee do all the work for them. And now everyone listening 
knows that I followed the Sussman case very closely. Remember mm-hmm. Durham and Sussman? Oh, yes, I do. And I've said loudly and firmly from the beginning that Sussman would be acquitted if that case ever even got to court. Well, it did get to court and he was acquitted. And, w- and one of the reasons, first, materiality, right? Even if Durham could prove Sussman lied to Jim Baker, the lie wasn't material. It didn't make a difference. It didn't matter. And in order for to, to do a 1001 charge for somebody for lying, it has to matter. It's got to be material. Another reason, Jim Baker was the only witness to the alleged lie. And when he testified before Congress about it, he said something different than when he testified to the grand jury. And he said something different when he testified to the inspector general. So three conflicting pieces of testimony wrecked the entire prosecution. The Department of Justice doesn't need the committee transcripts because they aren't doing anything and don't feel like interviewing people. They need them to compare the testimony they have that they got in front of a grand jury to the testimony that the committee has so that inconsistencies can be addressed before their witnesses are tanked in court. And people saying, well, they should just tell the committee what specific transcripts they want and not ask for just everything all at once. But they can't. Asking for specific transcripts would tip those people off that they're under investigation. (laughs) Exactly. And that could lead to destruction of evidence or they could go to Cancun or whatever. So the committee is and will cooperate with the Department of Justice and people who who like criminal accountability should be on board with that. Additionally, and there was a, well, maybe the committee doesn't trust the Department of Justice. No, stop. Just stop. This is the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office. It's Matt Graves, that Wyndham guy they brought in, and they hired 130 new attorneys. These are all Biden appointees. Just stop it, you know? I'm not just, just stop it. No, but I don't think anybody listening is on that bus. But additionally, if Department of Justice hasn't conducted certain interviews of certain targets in front of a grand jury yet, which they don't generally do to targets anyway, they'll still need those transcripts to craft their questions, to keep things consistent. And they can be used against targets during questioning, right? To be like, hey, did you uh, did you do this? Oh, yeah, well, Jared Kushner said you did. Here's the committee transcript. You know what I mean? Like yeah. They can use it against, you know, to get these folks to confess, to put the nails to them, to get them to flip on other people. It's very important that they have these transcripts. And it's not because they aren't doing their own investigation. Everyone who listens to this show knows they've been investigating for a while. So anyhow. From the uh, New York Times, the House committee investigating the January 6th attack could start sharing transcripts of witness interviews with prosecutors as early as next month as Justice Department officials ratchet up public pressure on the panel to turn over the documents. Negotiations between DOJ and Timothy Heafy, lead investigator for the House panel and former federal prosecutor who used to work for the DOJ, have intensified in, in recent days. Maybe, maybe they did. I don't know if I believe that as much as probably they're just working together. But apparently, according to the Times, the two sides are wrangling over the timing and content of the material to be turned over. I, I, don't, I don't know. But that's uh, according to several people familiar with the talks, but not authorized to publicly discuss the matter. Prosecutors have previously said the committee planned to publicly release the documents in September. The Justice Department sent the committee a two-page letter on Wednesday accusing the panel of hampering the federal criminal investigation into the attack by refusing to share interview transcripts with prosecutors. You know, I mean, we've got a Proud Boys trial coming up. We have an Oath Keepers trial coming up. Indeed. Do you want to put these guys on the stand, find out that that the people who flipped on them gave inconsistent testimony and then blow the whole case? That would be a negative. That would be a negative. Exactly. (laughs) You're like, nope, that's not what I would like. 
In the letter, the Justice Department suggested by withholding transcripts, the committee was making it more difficult for prosecutors to gauge the credibility of witnesses who may have both spoken to the panel and secretly appeared before the grand jury. What did I just tell you? Quote, the select committee's failure to grant the department access to these transcripts complicates the department's ability to investigate and prosecute those who engaged in criminal conduct in relation to the January 6th attack on the Capitol. That is from the Justice Department. And it made that public in a court filing. Quote, the select committee is engaged in a cooperative process to address the needs of the Department of Justice. This is now a spokesman for the committee, Tim Mulvey. We are not inclined to share the details of that publicly. Yeah, because you were told absolutely not to, Tim. He went on to say, we believe accountability is important and won't be an obstacle to the department's prosecutions. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Ask and you shall receive. And thank you, AG. And uh, this next story, man, Ginny Thomas is getting a lot of airtime these days. A Facebook group that appears to be run by Ginny Thomas, the wife, as we know, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. It could become a new point of interest in the U.S. House Select Committee's investigation into the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. So congressional investigators said they plan to ask Ginny Thomas to testify before the committee hours after Donald's attorney, John Eastman, on Thursday publicly posted a December 4th, 2020 email from Thomas asking him to speak to a gathering she called Frontliners, which she described as featuring, quote, grassroots state leaders. Now, Jenny Thomas is listed as an administrator of a Facebook group that goes by a similar name and description called Frontliners for Liberty. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. Just a, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Total coincidence. Yep. The private group, AG, which listed more than 50 members, <laughs> more than 50 members. Okay. That doesn't seem like a lot. Was created, no, it was created in August of 2020, by the way. So it's also over two years old, or almost two years old, I should say. And uh, just two months before the November election. So that's when it was created. And that's according to the page's description. Now, the group, which CNBC reviewed before it was removed from public view, describes itself as a new collaborative, liberty-focused, action-oriented group of state leaders representing grassroots armies to connect, inform, and activate each other weekly to preserve constitutional governance, which is fucking hilarious because she tried to overthrow the government, but that's okay. Although Thomas's personal Facebook page isn't verified, it contains numerous photos of Justice Thomas. So we're just assuming that this is legit. It's not verified. Now, the group's pages, they were removed from public view after CNBC reached out to Thomas about the organization, and that's to Ginny. Now, in, in, yeah, yeah, whoops. It now shows a notice from Facebook saying that it's either been deleted or privacy settings have been changed. Huh, maybe now is a good time to change those. Hmm. So CNBC also tried to get answers through Facebook Messenger to Stephanie Coleman. And Stephanie is also listed as an administrator of the group and the wife of the late Gregory Coleman. I'm sorry, it sounds like Birdcage. The Coleman's. <laughs> I know. I want to. Let's play that clip. Seriously. It's so nice to meet you, Mrs. Coleman. Goldman. I thought the D was silent. It is pronounced Coleman, isn't it? We've had some confusion. Oh, yes. Coleman. Uh, the D is silent in America. It's uh, Coldilomont or Coal of the Isle of Man in France, where Armand's chateau is, and Coldman in Greece, where Armand's work is, and finally the vulgar Coleman in Florida, where Armand's home is. So actually, we don't know where we are until we hear our last name pronounced. 
Oh my god. <laughs> and vulgar Goldman. Oh no, I think, uh, I, think it's Coleman. Coleman. I think it's Coleman. On the Isle of Man in France. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so old Stephanie, she's wife of the late Gregory Coleman, who was Texas's solic- solicitor general. God, I feel drunk. The D is silent oh my in god. America. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, are those boys playing leapfrog on our balls? <laughs> oh! <laughs> okay, sorry. We're having a moment, everybody. All right, let's back to the story, A.G. Greg Coleman, oh. he was once a clerk for who? Justice Thomas. Oh, no. Yeah, so this is where they start to connect. Coleman and Thomas are repeatedly pictured together on Coleman's personal Facebook page. That's including a photo of the two together in December of 2016 with former White House chief strategist Steve, I haven't showered in four years, Bannon. Now, Tom, Thomas asked Eastman to... Sp- I'm very fun when I have COVID. Okay. <laughs> Thomas asked Eastman to speak to her frontliners group on December 8th, and that's according to her email to him. Now, Eastman said Thomas, quote, invited me to give an update about election litigation to a group that she met with periodically. And that's according to his post on Substack, because he can't stop talking. An email newsletter subscription service that he has. Now, Thomas told Eastman... She, so this is Ginny again, Ginny told Eastman she was, quote, on sabbatical until the election stuff is resolved. Mm. Yes. Now, at the time, A.G., Trump and his allies were filing legal challenges against the 2020 election results after President Joe Biden was declared the winner. So Donald and those close to him lost most of those lawsuits. And by most of them, I think he was all but one. Yeah, all but one. And the one just allowed people to stand closer. Exactly. To vote, to tally. Now, Thomas's Thomas's email to Eastman appears to be an issue in his uh, legal dispute with congressional investigators looking into the January 6th attack. So a federal judge recently ruled against Eastman, as we know, who was trying to assert attorney-client privilege to withhold emails about the 2020 election. Well, the judge ordered Eastman to turn over 10 documents, including four that pertain to a meeting on December 8th, 2020, which was the same date Jenny Thomas asked him to speak to frontliners. Hmm. This is a quote. Two emails are the group's high-profile leader inviting Dr. Eastman to speak at the meeting, and two contain the meeting's agenda. So the emails contain this meeting. This is from U.S. District Judge David Carter. He wrote that on June 7th in an order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the Frontliners group also worked with a conservative advocacy organization known as Freedom Works, and that's according to the nonprofit spokesman Peter Vicenzi. Now, he also said that Thomas and Freedom Works activists have been allies for years. So FreedomWorks does not publicly disclose their donors. Hmm. Not surprising. But another quote here, Frontliners for Liberty, it is yet another conservative grassroots organization that FreedomWorks partners with to advance our issue set. That's Vicenzi said, that's what they said, he said in an email. Went on to say, Ginny Thomas for years has been an invaluable ally to our activist community, which it comes to engaging on shared issues. So yes, invaluable. Now, since Donald lost the election, FreedomWorks has pushed the idea that there needs to be election reforms. Conservative lawyer Cleta Mitchell, who used to work with Trump's campaign, now chairs FreedomWorks' multimillion-dollar national election protection initiative. Shocking. That's according uh. to Newsmax. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Marissa Hamilton, who says on her LinkedIn page that she's a grassroots director of FreedomWorks, she tweeted out in October a picture of what she describes as an event at, quote, Freedom Works Frontliners for Liberty. Now, the picture shows reps who? Marjorie Taylor Greene, Louis Gomer, Lauren Boebert, all of those attending the event. 
Not surprised mm. to anyone. Mm. Yep. Now mm. after see it after CNBC, did it, did didn't I say something about Ginny being on Team Sydney Powell? Yes, you did. We know how hard she tried to, you know, get with these regards false, to the yeah, collectors. with regards to the Louis the Louis Gohmert lawsuit. Yep. Right? They actually wanted to challenge the Electoral Count Act, and and Rudy and uh, Eastman were like, "No, don't do that," because if they say no, we're fucked. Um, <laughs> so this is extra interesting that uh all three of them yep yeah that go we're at this we're at this freedom frontliners for liberty so after cnbc emailed hamilton about the tweets ag they were deleted off of her page immediately she did not return follow-up requests for comment i'm shocked what i know right oh that's very 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 interesting um so we'll see what happens in the hearings about that also uh rusty bowers by the way a Republican who is the Speaker of the House in the Arizona House of Representatives is going to testify Tuesday at the 1 6 committee hearing. And that's according to a source familiar with the matter. I think this has actually been put out on their agenda by now. But the hearing is expected to focus on the former guy's pressure campaign on state officials to overturn Joe Biden's victory in 2020. This is what Fonnie Willis is dutifully and masterfully investigating right now in Fulton County. So good. Bowers will join Georgia election officials on Tuesday, Brad Raffensperger and Gabe Sterling. I wonder if I should ask for Raffensperger's like autograph. Is that weird? <laughs> They'll be part of the panel also before the January 6th committee detailing Trump's campaign to force states to overturn their certified election results. I would like to ask Raffensperger and Gabe Sterling if they have testified before a federal grand jury about this. You know what I mean? No, I'm sorry. I would love to know, too. Yep, because we know they testified in Fulton County already. Raffensperger's profile grew after the 2020 election when he resisted Donald's efforts to pressure him to find 11,780, just one more than we than we have votes uh, <laughs> for the then president to to win Georgia in an infamous January 2021 phone call. Perfect phone calls. Tremendous. Lots of people are saying. The Georgia Republican has already spoken privately with the committee about his experience. In addition to testifying before a special grand jury in the criminal probe, that's the Fonnie Willis grand jury. Adam Schiff is expected to take the leading role during Tuesday's hearing. Oh, I can't wait. I love when he takes the leading role. Me too. And I, you know what I think, you know who I think is going to be the closer? Mm. Jamie. Yes. I think Raskin's going to be the closer. Bowers. Back to the Arizona guy who supported Trump's reelection bid in 2020, refused to bow to intimidation to get him to back efforts in the legislature to decertify Biden's victory in Arizona. He's the Speaker of the House. He wasn't going to certify fraudulent electors. Not in his house, right? A spokesman for the January 6th committee declined to comment on the news of Bauer's testimony. But this is one of the testimonies I'm really looking forward to. One of sort of those quieter, you know, we haven't really heard of this guy yet, sort of like Luddig. I was really looking forward to his testimony, too. There are over 15, I think there's 19, actually, maybe 17. I can't remember the exact number, but it's somewhere between 15 and 20 Republicans who refuse to go along to take part in the fraudulent elector scheme. And that's the testimony that's going to be extremely important, especially to Fonnie Willis and particularly to the Department of Justice, who is also, as we know, it's been publicly announced, investigating the fraudulent slates of electors. Love it. Love it. Love it. NAG, again, thank you for leaving this story. Commissioners down in New Mexico and specifically Ortero County, they voted two to one Friday to comply with a state Supreme Court order, as they should have, 
and certify the dam primary election results, reversing an earlier rejection of vote totals over unfounded claims that voting machines were insecure. They really have self-esteem issues. Oh my God, I know. As I said, this was brought to the Supreme Court of New Mexico by Maggie Toulouse, who is now the Secretary of State. I'm very proud of her. In an afternoon meeting, Republican County Commissioners Vicki, I think, Marquard? Marquard, yeah, you got it. Yeah, Vicki Marquard and Gerald Matherly voted to certify the results from the state's June 7th primary over the objections of the third commissioner, Cuif Griffin. Now, Griffin, that name should sound familiar. He's the founder of Cowboys for Trump. He spoke by phone from Washington, where he had been sentenced earlier Friday to 14 days in jail on one count of entering a restricted area during what? The January 6th attack on the Capitol. Yeah, this is the jackass that refused to certify the election. In his remarks, Griffin refused to back down from assertions that the machines were not secure or apologized for leading a charge against a normally straightforward procedural vote that caused a week-long uproar. And this is a quote from him. My vote to remain a no isn't based on any evidence. It's not based on any facts. It's only based on my gut feeling and my own intuition. And that's all I need. You did not misunderstand that quote, everyone. That was from Coy himself. Just a <laughs> my gut vote feeling. to remain a no isn't based on any evidence. It's or not based any on any facts. I mean, way to put that down, dude. Now, on Wednesday, New Mexico Supreme Court granted an emergency petition by the Secretary of State, Miss Luce, demanding that Otero commissioners do their job and improve some 7,300 votes from the primary, where races such as the county's only state house seat and county sheriff hung in the balance. Now, the state's attorney general, Hector Balderas, had said Friday that the commissioners, quote, must comply with the rule of law or face legal action and potentially be removed from office, which would be my vote. Yeah, right. Let's do that. Yep. And this is another quote. I don't want to let anyone down. I know there's a lot of people who want us to stand our ground. And that's from Marquat. She said that Friday, but she said, and this is the end of the quote, I don't think it's worth us getting removed from our seats to do that. Yeah, no shit. It's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. If if people were really stealing votes, why wouldn't you, you know, put your put your uh, career on the line to protect that kind of a thing? That's right. Oh, well, we don't want to we don't want to get fired over the bullshit lies. No, no, no. Things based not on facts or evidence. Oh, my God. What a great quote. This is not based on any facts or any evidence. It's just a gut feeling. You hear me? Fucking A. (laughs) Fucking A, dude. All right. Cooey. Oh, good times. Yeah, I know. Absolutely unbelievable. Thank you for that story. I always love to save the New Mexico stuff for you. Not surprising Cooey rhymes with Louie. Gomer. I'm just saying, it, there's some dumb people. Well, hey, 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 hey. Yeah, how, how stupid. My name is Cooey. It rhymes with Louie. Cooey. Wasn't that the name of one of the guys from... Oh, what's that movie where... Oh, Chasing Amy. Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember that movie. Yeah. That's from when, yeah. Look, man, Koei London is pulling your chain. Mm. Okay, anyway, if you've seen Chasing Amy, wink, wink, you know what I'm talking about, Koei. All right, we will be right back with uh, Commander, former Navy guy, shipmate, Phil Ayer. He's going to talk about the George Washington Initiative. Very important stuff. Stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. It's AG. As you know, I used to struggle sleeping, falling asleep, staying asleep, have night sweats, tossing and turning. I thought it had to do with anxiety, uh, but, you know, as it turns out, that was part of it. But the other part was that I was sleeping on a mattress made for somebody else. Now, Helix Sleep has a two-minute online sleep quiz. 
that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. It will give you the best night's sleep of your life. They have several different mattresses models and models to choose from, including soft, firm, medium. They have cooling body temperature regulating mattresses, which are amazing if you sleep hot. They even have a Helix Plus for plus size sleepers. Uh, I took the quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper and I prefer a medium firm bed. And all of my sleep problems have been solved. They've disappeared. I love it so much. Helix is awesome, but you don't need to take my word for it. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick for 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take that two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best night's sleep of your life. They'll even ship it to you for free. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights with no risk. They will pick it up for you and give you a full refund if you don't love it, but you will. And they even have financing options available and flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is never far away. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for you at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am honored to be joined today by a shipmate, uh, a fellow shipmate, (laughs) um, a retired commander from the United States Navy, and he's the founder of the George Washington Initiative. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Please welcome Phil Ayer. Hello. Well, hello, Allison, and thank you for having me. It's uh, great to see a fellow shipmate from... uh, Seaman commander and 26-year active duty career. Love being with you. Holy majoli. You started out as a seaman, huh? Heck yeah. Nice. Call me Mustang. That's nice. an inside all right. joke I... for all your listeners. <laughs> I won't call you sir. Okay. I won't call you madam. <laughs> Thank you chief. very much. We appreciate it. So today I want to talk about this very, very important initiative. It's called the George Washington Initiative. And, and talk a little bit about what this initiative does. Okay, the George Washington Initiative is a nonprofit 501c4 that is a mission to fight disinformation with tactics we don't think are being done anywhere else. Those are attacking countermeasures. We end up uh, disrupting, degrading, and ultimately destroying those disinformation ecosystems that uh, that are harming our society. Interesting. So you're in the startup phase. Of, of this initiative, but what sort of things uh, are you like, maybe give us an example of some disinformation or DESA that you would counter or you plan on countering and how you might do that specifically, like how this practically applies to, to countering disinformation. Okay, let's take the, uh, the disinformation campaigns that are around critical race theory in elementary schools, which does not happen. It's a lie. It's whole, made up out of whole cloth, etc. Right. And it's disrupting the real world and the real proceedings of school boards in certain places. So what we would end up doing is asking, uh, taking our employees and possibly some uh, volunteers and going into a school board district's um, social networks and to uh, debunk, uh, distract and disrupt those those uh, the propagation of falsehoods, take the hate out of the debate. So the good decisions can be made by school boards for the welfare of our children. And what are we going to do <laughs> about some of these more autocratic MAGA world Trumpers who are now infiltrating our school boards and our city councils to help propagate this disinformation? Because, you know, as we know, you know this, I know this, that this disinformation it can come from within our own democracy, but it also can it be repeated by foreign bad actors. So right. how do you counteract the, the people that are running to be secretaries of state, being installed, attorney, yeah. attorneys general, school, all the way down to school boards. Right. And so what you, what you highlight, Allison, is, is precisely the seam that is, that is our, our vulnerability as Americans. 
Our government is prevented from stopping disinformation in the domestic political arena because perpetrators of the falsehoods and the lies claim free speech. But foreign actors do come in and they accentuate that. And we saw that in the in the 2016 presidential election. We see that in the divisions that are growing within our country on all kinds of topics. So what, what the government can do is they can tackle the national security, you know, uh, foreign influence. What we can do as people who are experienced in applying these uh, within government or elsewhere is to apply those uh, tactics, those same tactics in the domestic political arena. Um, so you asked, what can we do with the, with the MAGA people? We can discredit them within their own social network. We can take them out of the um, influence game by uh, by tactics of truth bombs, truth bombs, truth bombs, by distractions, by spoofing, perhaps, um, and by uh, uh, outcompeting their malicious narratives. I see. So would this actually include any kind of like infiltration of these of these groups? Uh, You know, I've got a really great friend, Lauren Windsor, who. Who uh, and goes in and um, does you know with MAGA groups and and rallies all the time and and uh, acts as as though she's part of that group to to do this this kind of work. I was wondering what, what that looks like. Well, I think I think that uh, that example is a very good example, and the answer short answer is yes. But the better that the full answer is that we are maintaining. Uh, a, a, we're going to adhere to a code of ethics that's based on the just war tradition to make sure that we comply with all applicable laws. Hmm. all terms of service, but the terms of service are so broad and wide ranging that you can do pretty much anything in there. Um, and we might be, you know, challenging the leg- <laughs> the legal authorities to come up with uh, uh, safety precautions, but nonetheless, we'll play with, we will operate in the rules as they are, not the rules as they wish to be. And we are not going to turn into one of them. We are going to maintain our honor and we're going to empower the volunteers to kindly give their time for this mission to fight, to fight go on offense with us honorably. Excellent. And and you knew where I was going. That's why you were a commander and I was a petty officer. You knew exactly where I was going. Hey, come with on now. Because... I was I was a petty <laughs> officer as well. <laughs> I know. I forget you've been everything. <laughs> you know, to to be fair, that's where I was going with this. It's like, well, do we have to become like them to fight them? And and the answer is no. No. Absolutely not. When when the take almost any a warfare scenario and, and our 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 proud tradition of the United States Armed Forces is to fight the good fight, not fight the dirty fight, fight an honorable fight. Now, sure, people make mistakes from time to time, but we take the high ground. We adhere to the law of armed conflict, and uh, and we're going to do that within this war, this information war that has spilled out into uh, spilled into our domestic politics and spilled out into the real world with a shoot up, you know, with violence at school board meetings to take our previous examples. There are plenty of other examples where the real world is impacted by the lies and the misinformation and disinformation uh, in the debates. Pizzagate is one of them. Uh, the election uh, of debacle that uh, Congress is uh, coming out is, you know, uh, is uh, tackling right now in the hearings. The real world impacts and and are 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 evident, and we have a extremely existential threat to our democracy and the overriding mission of George Washington initiative is to defend truth and democracy. So we're going to make sure that our resources are applied in a way to defend our democracy. 
Yeah, and I'm glad that you're using that language too, that you're calling it an information war or a disinformation war. Because I, you know, I remember reading uh, Russian Roulette and and finding out that there was an uh, initiative written by the GRU saying there this is our new warfare this is our new battlefield right. and and we have to we have to treat it uh, as such and and like you say things like the big lie which congress is tackling right now in their hearings in the January 6th committee hearings lead to things like laws being passed that allow state legislatures to subvert the will of the people to pick right. their own slates of electors and submit them to congress which is the most anti-democratic thing uh, i can think of or to uh, elect uh, secretaries of state, as I said earlier in the segment, to do their bidding and overturn the will of the people and then also pass, use the big lie to fundraise and then to illegally probably and then to pass laws that based on the big lie that restrict voting access for a lot of people who um, would otherwise vote against the folks creating those laws. Absolutely. So uh, I would like to ask your listeners to check out a uh, to to listen to what you said to recognize that there's a whole body of academic literature about hybrid warfare, uh, so-called hybrid warfare, and uh, to to maybe hone in on something that we require our employees, we will be requiring our employees to read or listen to on audio. That is the first chapter in an excellent history of active measures of propaganda and disinformation written by by Thomas Ridd, last name spelled with three letters R-I-D, and that chapter is called What is Disinformation? And he starts with uh, his testimony before the Congress about the 2016 elections and and puts it in amazing uh, historical context so you can see and get right up to speed with the terminology and more importantly, the concepts and the state of information um, warfare now by reading that as a starter. Yeah. And, and the I mean, we've seen this uh, time and again when we talk about the, the 10 steps toward autocracy or losing a democracy. Multiple steps include disinformation and the spreading of disinformation, the discrediting of truth and facts from a, a fourth estate or the or the free press. And and that is sort of, uh, you know, what you what you're combating here. That's sort of just, you know, the, the disinfectant is shedding light on the truth. Right. That, right. And Allison, you and I served in the, in the Navy. And what what's the Navy's core values? It's honor, courage and commitment. And the army has duty on our country and the Air Force has a, another version of those core American values. And those are real. Now, all of us in the military profession and outside the military profession adheres to a basic code of honor. We call it the honor code. Uh, I will not lie, cheat or steal, nor tolerate those among us who do. But it is precisely what uh, some senior politicians have chosen to do to, uh, to lie, cheat and steal, actually steal on the basis of, um, uh, of, the, of the misinformation and disinformation so that they can retain power for inherently anti-democratic means. Yeah. And our country is all about the checks and balances, and they're destroying that. Yeah, they are. And um, so Phil Ayer, everyone should look up, first of all, you were on the Bureau with Frank Figlizzi. Everyone should check out that episode. But tell everyone where they can go. You're in the, you're in the beginning stages here. Where they where listeners can go to help, to check it out, to support, to spread the word. What do you need? What do you need? Okay, we need financial support and we need participation support. Uh, and you go to georgewashingtoninitiative.org. Find us on Twitter as well. That's georgewashingtoninitiative.org. And uh, contribute what we can do. Now, here's a statistic. We've got uh, the, the, the Russians... Uh, had 80 people, 80 people, and $1.25 million to disrupt our presidential election and help 
elect Donald Trump in 2016. We need $5 million in our first year, and we will make substantial progress in shoring up our democracy and protecting our country from uh, the scourge of disinformation. Excellent. And and just out of curiosity, before I let you go, why, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about the uh, big lie and the disruption of the peaceful transfer of power from from this administration and the importance of George Washington being the first president, obviously, to hand that power over and set that uh, scenario up for for generations to come as one of the most sacrosanct things that we do in our democracy is concede that power. Why did you choose the name George Washington initially? Oh, because it is so foundational to our country and to where we are right now. In his farewell address, George Washington warned of three things. He warned of sectionalism that foretold the Civil War, and he also warned of foreign interference and factionalism, which foretold where we are right now with hyper-partisanship accentuated by uh, foreign influence. So uh, that's, that's, that's why we chose him. We looked into his writings and found a quote of his that was extremely apt, we think, and that was that you know, he said something, he wrote something to the effect uh, that the great American masses require only to understand matters rightly in order to form right decisions. And so that's how we, that's why we chose it. And just like the fight for our independence back in uh, George Washington's day. It'll be the American people who need to rally around uh, truth and democracy to keep this uh, self-governance alive and well. Well, Republic, if you can keep it. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. Everybody, it's George Washington Initiative. Google that. Check it out. Support if you can. And uh, this is really fascinating. I'd like to check back with you as we get closer to the midterms or right after the midterms to see what's where you're at and uh, what sort of um, position we're in as, as a country. Thank you, Allison. And thank you for all that you do for our country. Good day. All right, everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG. I'd like to talk to you about something I use literally every day in the morning. I started taking Athletic Greens AG1 because I'm focused on taking care of my health and AG1 makes it easy. With one delicious scoop of AG1, Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. And Athletic Greens is lifestyle-friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting amazing. I even take it with me when I'm traveling. Plus, in 2020, Athletic Greens purchased carbon credits that support projects protecting old-growth rainforests, so it's good for you and for the planet. And I want to thank Athletic Greens for their support. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. I do it right before the gym every morning. Tastes delicious. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements that I used to have to take I had a cabinet full of things, and now it's just one tasty scoop of AG1. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? Near. 
good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, Halloween photos, if you're making some doilies, uh, if you have any creative things that you're working on, if you have a small business you want us to shout out, you have shared swears, find the cat, what the mo- whatever you want to send in, anything you want, literally anything, misheard song lyrics. You can do it by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact and a little housekeeping, little housekeeping. Thanks to our new patrons. If you're not a patron and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you're subscribed to the proper Daily Beans because there's two of them floating around out there. So you can do that by going to apple.co slash beans, all lowercase. We're going to archive the duplicate imposter. It's got a it's got a Van Dyke. That's how you know it's the evil beans. No, um, it's just an exact duplicate show. What did you call me? <laughs> You're a Don Ho. Oh, I thought you called me a Van Dyke. <laughs> no, I know. It's uh it's um <laughs> you live in a van down by the river. <laughs> I'm so tired. Okay. Anyway, apple.co slash beans. That's how you know you're following the correct beans. If you have a premium feed, if you're a patron and you have a premium feed with an ad-free feed, you don't have to do that. You your premium feed is your is the correct feed. You're you're all good to go on that. First up from Mac, pronouns he and him. Morning, ladies of the beans. A slight correction to the pronunciation of the city Bruges. If I'm correct in my assumption that it is a city you had trouble pronouncing when reading a list of lovely holiday travel spots from the one listener, Bruges is pronounced with the oo sound and a soft G into a Z. Bruges. Okay. So it sounds like Bruges or Bruges. Okay. If that looks easier, (laughs) believe it or not. I learned how to pronounce it from the 2008 movie in Bruges with Colin Farrell, Brandon Gleeson, and Ralph, pronounced Rafe Fines, a.k.a. Voldemort. That's right. Rafe does play Voldy. Thanks for everything you do. Trying to keep our spirits light while we go through this troubling, but maybe hopeful time. You're welcome. All right. And this next one's from from Anonymous, but pronouns are they, them is groovy for this person. Long-time listener, first-time writer. I love the show. It's my go-to each morning. DG mentioned being the head of her high school drumline. And I just want to say that I, too, was a very gay, very awkward... Wait, what do you mean very awkward? I'm just kidding, I was. <laughs> hey, I, I love that they just assume yeah. Yeah. Uh, that you were awkward as I know. Fun. Hey, I mean, I was, but <laughs> I mean, we didn't need that pointed out. That's, that was actually really funny, Anonymous, because I was very awkward. I look like Manny from Modern Family. Maybe one day I'll show the picture when I'm super famous. Okay. This person went on to say, I played the bells and could read music, so that qualified me. I convinced my drum section colleagues that it would be way cooler to march into each football game playing girls. Fuck yeah! That was my introduction. By the Beastie Boys. It's a winner on the bells with drumline backing. Of course it is. Ding, 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 ding. Oh my God, I love this. I continue to be proud of that. It is. It was a far catchier tune than the theme from The Lion King or Freeze Frame. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was anonymous. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. As a queer, I can't tell you how many times I've been really touched by some of the listeners who support a queer family member or friend, a colleague. It's a reminder to me that there are some really wonderful people out there and just generally makes the world seem less like a less scary and lonely place. Big fist pump for the allies. I love the show. Anonymous, thank you so much. And I really do love that you got them to play girls because for so many reasons, it's a brilliant move. So much better than freeze frame. Yeah. Uh, Especially for the bells, right? All right. Next up from Mary W. Pronoun she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. This is my second time writing in. Last time I wrote in, I stated I was starting a journey to take back my life with my mental health. Three to four years later, 
I honestly can't remember how long ago this was. I'm proud to say I'm feeling more myself. I am doing well with my life and I've started to go back to school to get my undergrad degree. I just wanted to say a huge thank you to you, Queens, as you brighten my day every morning and weekend with your humor and positive vibes. You are the secretary of vibes, right? Dana, I think you're the secretary of vibes. I think so, for sure. As pet tax, I've included my two babies, Ranger, the sweetest Dobie ever, who loves blankets and to give kisses, and Munchkin, a sweet and sassy tabby, maybe not sure of her breed, who demands pettins with from your foot, not your hands. Oh, goodness. If you catch her with your hands. And then my husband, they and my husband have been my lifesavers. Uh, thank you again for bringing truth to the world. Happy Pride. Look at this baby. So freaking sweet. Oh, look at the pretty kitty. Oh, look at the baby. Oh, kitty with the flower. Smiley dog. Happy dog. So good. Oh, and my... here's a quick one because ah! you're gonna you're not gonna be able to speak I because can't. of the photo. I just I can't. From Anonymous, just a quick aw for all of you. Help us keep us entertained, informed, and educated. Thank you, Legumen Lightners. Leguma Legumen Lightners. Look at the bean. It's a perfect baby, you guys. You people, <laughs> you folks. There's a perfect baby in a perfect, looks like lab taking care of the perfect baby. Oh, so good. Okay. Oh my gosh. Tammy Ray, thank you for this. Tammy Ray, pronouncing her, put my order in for Newberry candy. This bisexual hella queer woman needs some chocolate. Thank you for the (laughs) shout out. Oh my God. I love that so much. So rad. All right. Let me take the next one. You can close this out. Cool. This is from Nikki. No pronouns given. Hello, Beans Queens, longtime listeners, second submission. I was hoping you'd be able to help with the connection. I was listening to the Daily Beans Good News the other day and heard from one listener who's planning to run for city commissioner in Orlando. If at all possible, please pass my information to them because I've also been wanting to get involved with my local politics. Also, uh, they were a small business owner. If nothing else comes from this, at least I can support another local business and we can talk shit about fuck Santas. (laughs) I love everyone who makes the show a staple in my daily routine and always find a way to make me laugh out loud. My pet tax are my naked baby Chip on the kitty tower and Dale, Chip and Dale. Oh my God, I love love naked cats. (laughs) Nakies, so cute. So, so very cute. Chip and Dale, oh my God. I, I can only always think of Patrick Swayze and Chris Farley when I think of Chip and Dale's. Finally, we have a submission from Nick, pronouns he and him. Happy hearings days. Earlier this week, I was in the kitchen and heard a strange noise coming from the bathroom. Upon investigation, it turned out that my son was in the process of restoring a classic My Little Pony, which he's taken to doing in recent months as a hobby. This one's missing a tail. So when he squeezed it and the mildly water-filled sink, some water came weakly out of it. I said, hold on, hold on, and began to fill the sink more. Squeezing it underwater didn't fill it much more for, for squirting out, so I ran water directly into the tail hole. My son found the term tail hole mildly disturbing, but he did get a little <laughs> laugh out. <laughs> this allowed much more powerful jet to issue from the horse, so I topped the pony off walked out to the bathroom and squirted the dogs with the impressive water gun. Then my son and I had this exchange. Me, I'm done giving them pony squirts. Him, don't ever use the word pony squirts again. (laughs) As he said this, I held up my finger as a wait for it signal. 
and then I said, she had the trots. And then Tim, stop making bad horse jokes. <laughs> I'm a dad, as if I could make any other kind. As a pet tax, I submit my <laughs> pony squirts. As a pet tax, I submit my uh, mainstay, G-I-R, Gur, this time wearing some sort of plastic f- flex tube from the dollar store. The smiley little yuts really didn't care uh, if it's actual clothing as long as he can wear it. <laughs> oh my God, look at that face. Love the smile. Thank you for that, <laughs> I topped off the horse. <laughs> oh my goodness. I topped the pony off, walked out of the bathroom. Squirted the dogs. That's pony squirts. I'm not going to name this episode pony squirts because that is disturbing. Maybe tail hole. I don't Maybe know. Maybe tail hole. Pony squirts. No, definitely not. I'm not sure either. Those are appropriate. <laughs> no. <laughs> Poor. F- we have a respectable guest on. T- I love when I do that. Like today, former acting director of the FBI, Andy McCabe, on this episode of Pony Squirts. You know? Yeah. One of the readers was like, I'm readers. One of the listeners was like, please don't do that. <laughs> All right, everybody, that is the show. If you have any good news you want to send in, again, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Dana, yes, with, dear. Your, with your voice. I apologize. It's worse than normal, everyone, and it goes in and out. But thank you for letting me join today. Honestly, I'm bored out of my mind in the apartment. So it was nice to go back to work for an hour. <laughs> do you have any last final, then you have any last words? I have no more <laughs> last words, nor should I. And God forbid, maybe I just shouldn't even entertain last words. Oh my goodness. Um I'm I'm glad you're feeling better. Hopefully the voice will catch up. Everybody will be back tomorrow. So please, until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. I've been AG. And I have sort of been DG. <laughs> the, <bean. laughs> the Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>